Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what part of the Bible do you get most excited for when we talk about it? We celebrated Confirmation Sunday at the end of April, and if you think about confirmation and the instruction that even you went through, or if you've been in some other biblical instruction or information class, what is your favorite part? Is it when we talk about creation? Is it the angels? Is it baptism? Is it the Lord's Supper? Is it prayer? What I most enjoy teaching about is Jesus. Big surprise there, right? But explaining why he, God in heaven, had to come to the earth, be born as a man, live a perfect life, suffer death on the cross, and rise from the dead in order to win our salvation. How we, poor, miserable, helpless, sinful beings, need to be rescued from sin and death, and how God does that. It just demonstrates how much he loves each and every one of us, that he would do this for us, that he would give up his life in order for us to be able to live with him forever. I cannot say that I get as excited about teaching the Ten Commandments. I suspect that section is probably also not the most favorite for any student of the Bible. That's because, by nature, we don't like being told what we can and cannot do. Think of it like this. Now that we're getting closer to warmer weather all the time, as a kid, did you enjoy going to the pool on a hot summer day? Last summer, we took Micah to the Transcona pool, and while he couldn't do really anything on his own, as he gets older, he'll be able to enjoy more things. What do you like best about pools? Do you like jumping off the diving board? Going down the water slide? Going and getting an ice cream from the snack shop? No, wait. I bet what you like best about the pool are all the rules. Don't run, no monkey business, one person at a time on the slide. No? That's the one thing you don't like about the pool? Just as lifeguards don't enforce rules because they like to make life miserable for little boys and girls, God did not give us his rules just to show us who's boss and to make our lives miserable. Jesus makes that clear in our gospel reading. We see two things that happen on the Sabbath. The first is Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field with the Pharisees watching, spying on Jesus to see if he breaks the law, sins in any way, so they can accuse him and punish him. You see, the Pharisees were rigid and unbending in their understanding of the Sabbath. They believed that absolutely no work could be done on the Sabbath. And they added many of their own laws, rules, and interpretations to make sure that no work would be done. They added hundreds of them to God's original command. Consider some of their rules. 
They believe that medical attention could only be given on the Sabbath if a life was in danger. If a wall fell on a person, they could move it to see if the person was alive or dead, but could not move the body or help until the next day. You could not attend to a fracture of a bone. You could not pour cold water on a sprained hand or foot. You could bandage a wound, but you could not use ointment. In short, you could only keep it from getting worse. You could not make them better. That would be work. So here the Pharisees thought they had found their evidence when they observed Jesus' disciples plucking grain from the field and eating as they walked. The Pharisees weren't about to accuse Jesus' disciples of stealing because in Deuteronomy, God had allowed his people to go into a neighbor's field and pluck a few stalks of grain to eat. What made the Pharisees think they had a case against Jesus was that he had allowed his disciples to do this work on the Sabbath, the day of rest. In the second half of our gospel reading, Jesus finds himself in a similar situation. In the synagogue, Jesus sees a man with a withered hand. The Pharisees believed that healing would be wrong and that it would break the law because healing is considered work to them, since the withered hand is certainly not life or death. They think they got Jesus in their hands. Jesus had already told them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Pharisees missed the whole point of the commandments. Because the Pharisees thought that God's commands were simply there to be obeyed, they were more concerned about the laws than the people for whom these laws had been made. So they also weren't able to see the commandments as a blessing for us. God cares for his people, and he loves them and wants the best for them. Certainly God gives us his rules to be obeyed, but they also make life better for us. There is, of course, more to the third commandment than not working once a week. But consider how all of God's rules are meant to be a blessing. Take the sixth commandment, for example. God forbids adultery because he wants peace and love to abound in families. With the eighth commandment, God forbids bearing false witness because he wants to protect reputations. God forbids murder with the fifth commandment so that we don't have to live in constant fear of losing our lives. Analyze God's rules and you'll see that God gave them for our good, not to make life difficult. With eating grain in the fields, Jesus uses the example of David asking the high priest for something to eat as him and his men were on the run from King Saul. All there was was special bread only to be eaten by the priests. Although the high priest technically broke God's law by giving David this tabernacle bread, the law of love, concern for David and his men, came before other laws. With a man with a withered hand, Jesus asked the Pharisees, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Or if we go back to David, you might say, Is it better to let someone starve or to feed them with whatever you have? For us, it's like asking, If you see a car accident happen just in front of you, do you stop or do you keep going? 
If someone has their arms full, do you open the door or watch them struggle? If someone drops their groceries in the parking lot right in front of you, do you help them pick it up or do you keep walking? For the man with the withered hand, his life is not in danger, but can you ignore his need? It would be wrong to leave him in that state if you could help. With these questions, the Pharisees must admit that it is a good thing to act and okay to act. Jesus shows that the Sabbath was made for man and that it is not kept with rigid rules and procedures that ignore human needs. No wonder the Pharisees don't answer his question. They know he's right. But their silence displeases Jesus and draws out emotion. Jesus looks at them in righteous anger and with grief. They don't care for this man at all. They are so dead set on being right that they are dead wrong. They are rejecting Jesus and their unbelief is blinding them from the truth. So Jesus decides to heal the man. He says, stretch out your hand. As the man does, he is healed. And again, Jesus turns the tables on the Pharisees. Jesus does no work in healing him. He can't be found guilty on their rules. He didn't touch him. He only spoke. Once this happens, they immediately leave. The Pharisees leave to do work, to do harm, to plot, to kill on the Sabbath. Most Christians might have difficulty understanding why anyone in their right mind would want to turn God's grace into law the way the Pharisees did. Yet we are guilty of doing the same sort of actions. Lutherans can be guilty of creating laws around all sorts of things, including how we're supposed to worship. I once heard a Christian say that those who fail to use page 5 and 15, that's the old hymnal, the TLH, those who fail to use page 5 and 15 no longer honor God in worship. There are those that think Lutherans are the only ones going to heaven. Such comments suggest that only by our actions, our organization, our structure, are we truly saved. And that just isn't the case. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith apart from our works. Our gospel reading for today reflects upon turning God's grace into law. The Pharisees accused Jesus' disciples of breaking the commandment by doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They think they knew better than Jesus as to what God intended when he first created this commandment. What they didn't know is that as true God, Jesus authored the Ten Commandments. That's why he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So does this mean that we can turn a blind eye to God's rules in the name of love? Should we just ignore people who are living contrary to God's word because calling out sin would only make us guilty of what the Pharisees did in our text? Not at all. God's laws are not flexible in the sense that if we don't like them, we can bend them to fit our lifestyle. In love, we are to call out those who live contrary to God's word. We are called to call them to repentance. 
We do this because those who ignore God's rules are not only rebelling against a God who made and loves them, they're hurting themselves and the people around them. Of course, as we call one another to repentance, we will always want to remember why we do it and how we do it. We do it because we love each other, not just because we don't want some rules broken. And we do it with gentleness and respect. The Sabbath day isn't just about not working. It is God's gift to man. It was to be a day of rest when God would come to his people in a special way with his word and through his sacraments in worship. Today we saw the sacrament of holy baptism. In baptism, God gives his gifts of life, salvation, and forgiveness. He does the same in the Lord's Supper. He does the same in confession absolution as we gather together in worship. Here is where God speaks to, restores, and fills his people through his word, and where we thank and praise him for it. In applying the Sabbath day to Christians, Luther helpfully says, as we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, that we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. We keep the Sabbath by using God's word, this great treasure. We hear it and we put it to use, and the power of the Spirit works through the word because it is not idle or dead, but effective and living. And the Holy Spirit is effective and living in us to bear fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unfortunately, though, we don't always treat God's word in this way or use this great blessing. We don't always gladly hear and learn it. We might half pay attention to it, neglect to study it. We might find it boring and uninteresting. We might not come to church during certain times of the year. We might not come to church ready to gladly hear and learn it. We can come up with all kinds of excuses. But by not holding the Sabbath sacred, the word of God sacred, we're not holding God sacred. Fortunately, the Sabbath day also points us to our Redeemer and to our salvation. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He wrote the laws that are good for us. But what's most important is that Jesus kept the law on our behalf. Jesus lived the perfect life, kept the laws perfectly, and became the sacrifice for our sins. On Good Friday, he died for all of us. He let the Pharisees think they had won. The next day, the Sabbath, he rested in the tomb. And then on Easter Sunday, the first day of the week, he burst forth from the grave to give us the promise of eternal life for all who believe. That's why as we come to worship, we have the cross there in front of us. Jesus is not just Lord of the Sabbath, but is also the Lord of life, joy, peace, mercy, the universe, the church, me, you, through his death and resurrection. And the empty cross reminds us that he is not dead. He is alive. 
and he gives us comfort when we mourn, peace knowing that our sins are forgiven, and hope for eternal life. A place with him in heaven, all because he loves and cares for us. And he has given us his word, his gifts of baptism in the Lord's Supper, and this time of worship to continually strengthen us until he calls us home. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.